Understanding how to code and be reimbursed properly is often challenging. This challenge can be further complicated when a physician assistant is providing the service. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre, your host, and with me today is Emily Hill, a physician assistant and the president of Hill & Associates, a medical billing and coding consulting firm in Wilmington, North Carolina. Emily currently serves on the AMA's Correct Coding Committee and is here to help us understand how to code for services provided by physician assistants. Hi, Emily. Welcome to ReachMD. Hi. Thanks, Lisa. Emily, I know that the billing rules for Medicare and private payer reimbursement are different, so let's focus first when Medicare is the payer. Under Medicare, when can a PA bill under the supervising physician's name and be reimbursed at the physician reimbursement rate? Essentially, Lisa, that falls under the what we call Incident 2 guidelines. And so very generally, you can bill under the physician's name when you're seeing an established patient with an established problem in an office or clinic setting. Are these rules state-dependent at all? Medicare has its nationwide Incident 2 rules. Beyond that, there can be state supervision rules that might supersede some of the Incident 2 guidelines. For example, Incident 2 guidelines say a physician needs to be present in the office suite when the service is rendered, but does not have any requirements for co-signature on the note, for example. Some state supervision rules require the physician to co-sign PA notes, and so that would be a different set of guidelines. So does the MD always have to be on site if a PA is providing services for a Medicare patient? No, they don't have to be on site always, only when they are billing Incident 2. So let me kind of explain what Incident 2 rules are all about. First of all, they were created many years ago, really before the conception of a, of a PA, and applied to staff employed by a physician or a physician practice, and allowed a physician to bill for some of the services that their employee provided. With that, they had certain criteria that had to be met. First of all, it can only be reported incident two when it's provided in the physician office or clinic, as I've already stated. So you can't bill incident two services in the hospital setting. The MD has to personally or has to physically be present in the office suite when the care is delivered. And the idea behind that is that the physician was immediately available. The physician would also have to personally treat the patient for the particular medical condition they're presenting with and has to have either an employment relationship with the PA, perhaps a lease agreement with the PA, or both the PA and the physician employed by the same entity. When all the incident rules are met, what that means is the PA services can be billed under the physician's name and they get reimbursed at the physician rate what we refer to as 100% of the fee schedule. And if the PA is working in the office and an MD is not available, how does that billing work? In that instance, the PA has to bill under his or her own number, name and number. In that instance, the PA gets reimbursed or the practice gets reimbursed at 85% of what they would pay the physician or 85% of the Medicare allowed rate. So you lose potentially a 15% in reimbursement. However, you don't have any restrictions on requiring the physician to be present, don't have restrictions on where the service could be provided, and don't have restrictions on the type of patient, meaning it could be a patient with a new problem or a patient completely new to the practice. Are physician assistants always required to have their own provider identification number, even if they're always going to be with an MD in the office? It's best for PAs to have their own number. 
because they'll need to bill under their own number if they do anything in a hospital setting, which would include an emergency department or a nursing home setting or inpatient hospital. A number is required for other things like ordering labs and diagnostic tests, and you can't be certain that you'll always be billing incident to a physician. What if a PA is working and their supervising physician or their alternate supervising physician is not available in the office? Can any MD fill that role? Under Medicare's incident to guidelines, any MD can fulfill that role. In fact, Medicare would say that the service has to be billed under the physician who is present in the office suite. That may not be the PA's supervising physician. That may not be the patient's primary physician. So it is whoever is available to provide assistance as needed. And are the billing rules different if the PA is an employee or an independent contractor? No. In essence, there was at one point the rules were such that in order to bill incident two, the PA had to be employed by the MD or by the same entity as the MD does. So if they both worked for a large office practice, they would both be employed by that contractor. They revised the rules several years ago to allow the incident two guidelines to apply to PAs under a lease agreement, either with the physician or the practice group, or to be an independent contractor, a legal definition of independent contractor, and still have incident to guidelines apply. The gist of it all is that the physician or physician group has to have some financial responsibility for that PA in order to be able to collect monies for services rendered by that PA. You said earlier regarding incident to established patient or a new patient. Does it make a difference? When you cannot bill incident to is when it is a new patient to the practice because one of the criteria is that the physician has to personally treat the patient for that particular medical condition. So for a new patient, that would imply that that he or she has not seen the physician personally. It also comes into play when we're talking about an established patient with a new problem and that once again, under the guidelines, the physician would need to see the patient for that particular medical condition before we can have the incident two guidelines kick in. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and I'm speaking with Emily Hill, a physician assistant and the president of Hill & Associates, a medical billing and coding consulting firm in Wilmington, North Carolina. We are discussing how to properly code for services provided by physician assistants. So, Emily, I just want to clarify the incident, too, with established or new patients when a PA is providing the service. What if the PA is doing follow-up care and then discovers a new condition? Great question, Lisa. This is often difficult to figure out how to handle this. So we're going to pretend that the patient was scheduled with the PA for an established problem and will pick hypertension or diabetes. And when they come in, not only do they still have their hypertension diabetes, but they've developed what looks like bronchitis. In that instance, there are several options. One, the PA could call the physician in to actually see the patient for that condition. Number two, could consult with that physician and then schedule the patient to see the physician at a subsequent visit. It's difficult when you're in a busy office practice to suddenly take a patient with a scheduled appointment with the PA and to be able to pop them into the schedule of the physician. 
So I think that as long as the primary reason for the visit continues to be that established problem, at least for that visit, you could bill that incident too. And how do you code that on a super bill as a PA? Well, as a PA, if it's incident two, and if we're talking about a super bill, you mark the proper level of service, the proper diagnoses, but you'd want to indicate, for example, that diabetes or hypertension were diagnoses one and two and put your bronchitis as a third diagnosis. Now, alternatively, and perhaps what many people would think is the safest way to deal with this, is rather than billing that encounter as incident two, just simply revert that visit to one that's billed under the PA's provider number. And therefore, you avoid any of those incident two requirements. Now, this takes some management of that super bill and good communication within the practice. So if the office, front office staff is assuming that all the PA services are going to be incident two on that day, because there's a physician present, for example, when you have a surprise new problem and want to now bill under the PA's name, you're going to have to have some communication between the PA and the front staff so that they will know to change this one encounter to be billed under the PA's name. And it could be anything as simple as the PA writing across that super bill, bill under my name. Sounds complicated. It can be. And in fact, many practices have simply decided that they're going to bill for the most part under the PA's name and provider number so that they don't get caught in the scenario, Lisa, that you just described, nor do they have confusion whether someone is was always in the office suite, and did they have the proper physician being billed as the provider? It is some decreased reimbursement for the practice, but the other way to look at that is you've now opened up your practice such that what you have to worry about are only state supervision guidelines, not physicians in the suite, physician having seen the patient, new patients, and established patients with problems. So you've simply opened that up so that the PA can see virtually any patient, Medicare patient, in the practice that's clinically appropriate for them to see. Can both services provided by a PA and a physician be billed on the same day if the bronchitis is new? Can I see them for their hypertension and then take them into the room to see the MD for the bronchitis and bill for both visits? Unfortunately, no. Medicare's general rules are they will allow one visit to be provided per day for either the office or hospital setting, frankly. So from the same group. So even though you might have different provider numbers, it would still be more than one visit from the same group and they won't pay for that. On top of that, if you're billing incident to a physician, to Medicare's eyes, you've got two services being billed by the same person because incident two means that we leave the PA's name and number off the claim form and simply bill it under the physician name. So when you talk about decreased reimbursement, if you bill it always through the PA to make it simpler, are you talking about just just accepting 85% all the time? That's right. You'd be accepting 85% of the fee schedule for all the services. And what about hospitals that utilize PAs? Are the rules different? They're slightly different, but not significantly so. First of all, in years past, the hospital, hospital-employed PAs could have been included on the hospital's cost report under their Part A money or under Medicare Part B, which is actually the professional services. So several years ago, this was was all changed and said that the physician assistant services had to be billed under Medicare Part B or under the professional services. 
what the hospital rules say is that if you have an MD and a PA both seeing the patient on the same day and that PA is an employee of the MD, then you can combine the work of the two and report it under the physician's name. This is called a shared visit concept, but it requires the physician provide a face-to-face service and personally document their encounter. And they have to work for the same entity. Thank you, Emily, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. Or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM157. Thanks for listening. Hello, this is Dr. Craig Nichols from Providence Portland Cancer Center. You are listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.